I am Lemuel Gonzalez, Repentant Sinner, and along with Amity Armstrong, your heavenly host, I invite you to find a place in the pew for today's painless Sunday school lesson without works. Today we will have an open discussion about churches, empty and full, in not necessarily the good news. And I will explore another familiar but misinterpreted Bible story in The More You Know. First up, some news. When we spoke last about the Supreme Court, it was in reference to the latest addition, at that time only a nominee, now a full-fledged justice, who was already on the wrong side of history and humanity with a couple of the court's latest rulings. A phrase that is likely to make my heart sink numerous times over the coming years is, in a 5-4 to four decision. And it is with that phrase that we enter the deeply wrong rulings coming out of the Supreme Court in favor of churches that have protested strict COVID-19 measures. The arguments, first in a case from New York State brought by the Roman Catholic Diocese of Brooklyn and Agudath Israel of America, and then in a case from California brought by Pasadena-based Harvest Rock Church and Harvest International Ministry, which has churches across the state, were that the restrictions on gathering for worship were harsher than those on gathering to distribute food or provide shelter, two things that were often happening in the same building as where they are now seeking to offer worshiping services. Uh, While worship may be essential, doing it in a group is not. And this is where the wrong-headedness of these decisions uh, comes into play. So let's discuss. So these churches sued and won work their way all the way up to the Supreme Court. All right. Uh, I will say Chief Justice John Roberts actually sided with the dissents on this one. Or these two, I guess. Uh, And the argument is, well, they can gather to live or eat, so why can't we gather to worship? That is um, an infringement on our religious liberty. That they're not allowed to gather to worship in these spaces. What do you think? Um, I'm put in mind of Jesus, as I oh, often am, offered all right. <laughs> in Matthew chapter 6-6, six, six, where Jesus says, But when you go to pray into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. This suggests that public worship is not necessarily the only kind of worship in Christianity. And really, and not the preferred worship. Private <laughs> worship like. seems to be what Jesus indicated here. Um, I don't understand the need to worship publicly with other people in the face of spreading illness which will kill people. That's right. And this illness is an airborne illness that Mm. stays in the air for a long time. They are learning. They are learning new things all the time, but this Mm. is a thing that they have seized upon, where at the beginning of this pandemic, it was wipe down all the surfaces, wipe down. It's the air that's really going to get you. Not that surfaces aren't dangerous. They've coughed directly on or something similar, Uh, but it is an airborne disease. And what happens in a church? Speaking, hallelujahing, singing, these are all things that expel breath into the air 
and into the lungs of those around you. And I don't understand why my right to praise the Lord in front of other people trumps everybody else's right to live, live. It feels very much like they're persecuting us even though there is no persecution. Well, we, we live in a place, uh, the house where we live now, yes. along with our housemates, where uh, just recently there was a person who held a children's birthday party. Yep. And it closed off the parking lot that everyone uses without notifying us. Yeah, it was pretty the, rad. The important part is, though, that there were people, children and adults, wandering around without masks on, playing in a bouncy house. Bouncy House seems like um, a great a place super to spread. spreader right, event. Exactly. A super spreader cabinet, yeah. if you will. A Just vitrine. go in there and lick something. I'm sure it'll be fine. A vitrine full of germs. Um, and so, where we live in California, the COVID, or COVID is spreading. Yes. It's, it's getting very bad. Once again. As of today, we're going back out on more strict lockdown. Now, the lockdowns as they're being laid out are uh, utterly nonsensical. Mm-hmm. Because human life and the life of the American dollar are being placed on not even equal, like not even equally on oh, a yes. scale. Commerce is made more important than human survival. Absolutely. Uh, so if what you're doing out of your house is going to make money for somebody, you can do it. I mean, that's basically what so it's do coming down. So you believe that this is the the intersection of of the conservative idea of economics and economic prosperity above human yeah. welfare? When the Supreme Court um, in their prior terrible decision, Citizens United, declared corporations as people, Mm -hmm. they instantly put corporations above people uh, and gave them more rights because in our society, in in American society, Mm -hmm. the more money you have, the more of a person you are. And that includes Apple and Google and Facebook. The more you're entitled to the more you're entitled to... And these large churches as well. Well, And and so what's... um, what I find offensive about this is that it is the job of the church to, among other things, keep people safe, to yep. provide sanctuary, yep. not to cause events where we're spreading uh, this illness to everyone else. There are times when we can act differently, where we can take into account what's going on around us mm-hmm. and make decisions on everyone's welfare and safety yeah, based and on that. Does the, does the Diocese of Brooklyn really believe that if the Catholics that are, have been faithful mm-hmm. this whole their whole lives, say, you, say you're an 83-year-old Catholic woman in Brooklyn and you have gone to church every Sunday, and then your church closed because of a global pandemic, and you were not able to make it to church, and you died, that 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 God is going to condemn you to hell forever because you didn't leave your house in no, order to I, I protect people. That's I think it really is a certain kind of element that believes that their rights are more important or their right to carry on their business uninterrupted is more important than other people's right or the right for people to move about safely in public. Yeah. And um, just I was thinking about the, the sort of conservative 
uh, discussion, and I'm remembering uh, Kelly McEnany without remembering a specific time that she was in front of the microphone saying this, I just get the picture, mm -hmm. when she is claiming that there are liquor stores that are open. There are liquor and churches stores that, that are aren't. open. I was taking a walk through Those our neighborhood yesterday. Those are not comparable. Those yes, are apples and oranges. This is my point. <laughs> I'm walking through my neighborhood yesterday, and I passed about three liquor stores within a mile of where we live. Um, what these liquor stores also provide are groceries yep. to people and food to people. And there's a lot of shut-ins. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of elderly people in this particular area mm -hmm. who this is the closest market they can reach. They don't have automobiles or walking back. Right. So the the offense and the bus the bus system is allowing what twelve people per bus or something I like that's that. What right now, so it's if you are reliant on a public transportation system, yeah, that's too bad. So if you're in a food desert, often yeah, the liquor store is the only place with caloric um, items yeah. that you can there's purchase. Food. And there's often there's markets uh, the, uh, taking a walk. Uh -huh. Like I said, about a mile from here, there's one supermarket that's a little harder to get to, I imagine, if you are a person who's infirm or elderly. Getting down there, getting your groceries, getting them back to your house right. would be an issue. Um, and even there, it feels sort of sad because there's an armed guard or two at yeah. the, in this grocery store milling around a lot of times. Um, so seeing that and the idea, well, liquor stores are open, but churches aren't, Necessities for survival for people are open. Right. And it's not to say that worship is not a necessity, but it doesn't have to be practiced this way. Right. That's there, the thing. Right. Nobody is saying you cannot worship tr mm -hmm. the Lord in the privacy of your own home. Many, 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 many churches are doing there online. Are churches we doing could go to a so online can, masses. Yes, we could go right, right now. It's twelve thirty on Sunday afternoon. Yes. We could we could join a mass in an hour in a half an hour. Yeah. We, and, and we could do it in almost any language spoken in this right. country. Exactly. So I don't understand exactly what the necessity is for... Granted, if you don't have internet access, that's right. a separate That's another thing, but this is the issue. job of the clergy to actually attend to the sick. And uh, that was a job Not that, make the sick. <laughs> right. That was a job that I remember from my childhood, seeing ministers going to the homes of elderly and infirm people and giving them communion there, yeah, and having counseling sessions with them there. Yeah, That's, not like, you know, man up and get your sick body to church where right. you could infect other people, so, yeah, where it, you could um, make your own situation worse. There's, a, there's um, a reason why we have to take these precautions. Mm -hmm. There is not, as of yet, a public vaccine nope. for this illness. Um, and once there is, they mm -hmm. say that they're going to start handing them out. They're going to hand them out, hopefully, to hospital employees and the elderly in group homes mm -hmm. first. Right. Someone like me, like, um, there's actually a test you can take. You can go online and see if there were 100 um, COVID vaccines, where right. in the line would you be? And that asks you, you know, are you an essential worker? Are you working directly with the ill or are you, you know, and where are you in line? And I'm like 82nd in line out of a hundred, right? which means I'll be like 82nd million in line out and of a hundred million, agree with, which is I, fine. I'm probably even further back on that list. No, you and I, I think are in the same um, group, which is the last group. But basically. I'm, I'm fine with that because I really do think there are people who are doing the work. I have a friend mm -hmm. who I went to school with and she is a nurse. And she's doing this every single day. Mm -hmm. And it's um, 
is I pray for her, not just that she doesn't get illness because that, that's, but that she doesn't lose her hope yeah, because there uh, are moments when yeah. she posts on Facebook, another one died today. Yeah. And I couldn't do anything. And you're yep. watching these sort of, from her point yep. of view, these waves of people coming mm-hmm. in, some of whom make it, some of whom have mild cases, some of are young people yep. who are having issues with their health or going to develop permanent health issues as yep. a result of this. Yeah, this, and joke, so, this disease is not... No, it's not. Uh, some, and we, uh, the situation that we're in right now, and uh, hopefully, Lord willing, um, by the the time that this hits the air, we'll have a resolution to this particular issue. We have a co-worker who's going in for his third COVID yes. test. And so there's a... Because he keeps doing things right. like going to Las Vegas. Going to Las Vegas, going to have a big family reunion, family, family members from all over the state. And he's always treated this very casually. And so that becomes a problem for me, who's pretty much holed up in my home all day right. long. Except you're not, because you do no, go to work all day, so, every day. The if if we're speaking about commerce, if he tests positive, we still don't know. Um, then the shop has to close for a week. Probably the, a bunch of people will be out of work uh, who've been working very very hard. We might have issues with restarting the business once everyone's gone through the fortnight of of waiting and seeing if anybody else catches it. We yeah, all have to get tested. although likely it would just be you guys would be tested. Mm-hmm. Um, you, your exposure to him was long enough ago that it's likely you guys could all just be tested and by right. the end and of the I week don't be back that's open. But be the case. I, I haven't developed any symptoms. I'm really hoping that I don't. But the fact that we have to constantly take him out of circulation and yes. limp along while this is going on, and then have this specter of right. Am I going to lose my job because this guy went to Vegas? Right. And there's there's that all the time. The sort of casual behavior of people towards this illness and the spreading of this illness is really infuriating. Yeah. Because there are people who are not going to make it. Yeah. I would hate there to are be... There are 200 plus thousand, 250 right. plus thousand people who haven't made it. The, and this next month is going to be heinous. I would hate to have on my conscience... The fact that my need to go out and have a big reunion with my family is more important than another person's right to live. Yeah. And I don't see how they balance that. And it They don't think like that. Right. I think that's I think that's it, fundamental. You have this thought, which means you wouldn't do that. Right. You also have enough people in your life that are at high enough risk yes. where if they got it, it could right. be Really, really bad, if not fatal. Like you know enough people at that you're not going to. Right, put I have a friend who. If if you're uh, twenty uh-huh. and or twenty, if you're twenty five, yeah, and you live away from your parents, and all of your friends and and uh, everybody you interact with is also twenty five, then you're not thinking about the infirm. Yeah, well, disabled. I have, you have, we have a friend who has a real health struggle. And what I do is call this man almost every weekend yeah. and talk to him because I can't see this person. You can't see him, yeah. And I know that their health struggles are such that they are going to have really bad days. Yeah. And I can't add to that person's burden because of my need to be in church. Right. When I can... Or your need to visit him. Right. Like, exactly, you love, but... we'd love to go see him. Right. He's it's not safe to do that right no. now. No. And the chances of taking that... I don't see this as a situation that's going to improve. 
anytime soon. No, because no one ever took it seriously. And a big part of that problem mm. is, you know, it starts at the top. The leadership. The leadership was that was modeled was terrible mm-hmm. and or non-existent. Right. For somebody who wanted to be president so bad, when given the opportunity to be a leader, just foisted it off onto everybody else, onto I, the states. I really feel that... And then didn't respect any of the states' the decisions. The notion of service was never in his mind. No, of course not. And the notion of lining his pockets was in his mind. The, rec- the uh, recent uh, press... Uh, I don't even know what to call it. Uh, press event? Because it's never scheduled... It's not like we used to have a press agent who represented the president of the White House and gave... A really clear idea about what. Yeah, this is what we're doing. Right. This is what's going on. No, it's all about obfuscation and being defensive and essentially attacking yeah, and the why, press. Yeah, why are questions. you? Yeah, why are you being mean uh, to but him? Seeing the the president recently just sort of attack a reporter. How dare you speak to me like that? I'm the president of the United States. It it kind of exposed what his thinking was. That he believed that he's now inherited this mantle of authority, and no one can question him. Whereas rather than royalty, we have a president that we elect that we can question, because this is a public servant. This is ultimately the servant of the people, and representing the will of the people, not uh, a person who can't be questioned. Everybody seems to have forgotten that politicians work for Mm -hmm. us, not the other way around. Right. And when many, especially Republican politicians, mantras is, I'm going to do whatever I want, even at the, even against the tidal wave of of constituents that are right. telling me they don't want that, yeah. then you should be fired because your whole point is to do what the people who voted for you want you to do. And you're not doing that. So you got to go. Like, yeah. I don't understand why we allow people who have blatantly disregarded the will of their own constituents right. repeatedly and um, often to their enrichment and their constituents' um, detriment mm-hmm. to have a seventh term, have an eighth term. Yeah. It's wild. Here's a little piece of news. I don't know if I'll take it out. Four months ago, breaking on New York Times, Rudy Giuliani has tested positive for the coronavirus. Pursuant to Trump's tweet, so... Oh, who knows? Maybe he's just telling us that that's the case. But, yeah. Yeah, I'm taking it in mind once again to the words of Jesus in once the again. Gospel of Mark. It's one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples walked. As the disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what's unlawful on the Sabbath? Picking uh, the grain, rolling the head in your hands, and taking the curls out and eating it. And Jesus answered, so they're calling that work? They're calling it work. And Jesus answered, Have you ever read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abathar the high priest, they entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is unlawful for uh, anyone other than the priest to eat. And he gave some to his companions, and then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, which is a rule that I have in my head. We were not made to observe rules and traditions. Those rules and traditions were made for us. And when they no longer suit us, when we can't use them, when it becomes dangerous to have 
this church gathering, then we find another way. Yeah. Because here, people were going hungry, he feeds them. Or he makes sure that they're walking through a field, they took their food. That isn't, um, we can't say there's a tradition to stop this. It's a tradition to us to gather in church. But at the same time... It was a tradition to gather right. in our homes. Yes, in, at one time it was a tradition women. to gather in catacombs to avoid the you know right. persecution. Yes. That does not mean that we're bound to go to a cemetery every Sunday and worship there. Right? So yeah. we, and no one, no one is saying you can't right. worship. No, of course They're not. They're saying you can't gather in groups. And this will be over, and the sooner that people actually follow the rules, it will be over. The longer that we insist on having our own way, very selfishly, like children, the longer this pandemic is going to go on. We have to get through it, and we can't get through it by simply deciding that we get what we want. We all have to work together. We all have to uh, strive to help other people who are not able to represent themselves, people who aren't... Uh, the elderly and the people with pre-existing conditions, they already are robbed of their voice most of the time. Yes. What we need to do, and it's not just the elderly, but that's the majority of people now who are at the highest risk of contracting. Yeah, one of the other yeah. things that I saw in that, where are you in the line? You know uh -huh. who I'm in front of? Homeless people, which is wrong right. on its face. But I have a job, so I guess I'm worth more to society, which is gross. It's gross. <laughs> yeah, it is. I I kind of, I think about that sometimes too. Because Especially we, since we're fixing to have another 19 million homeless people right. come January because there have been no, right. um, no pauses on evictions or no extensions of pauses on evictions. So, uh, yeah, it's going to get, the next six months is not going to be I don't think we'll see an end of it till the end of next year. At least. I think that will be... But again, we can't get started if people are just insisting on doing what yeah. they want. And, and the, the tough thing is the people who have been doing the right thing have been doing the right thing for like nine months mm -hmm. and are exhausted yeah. and frustrated. And we want to... That's the thing. Like There is this jealousy that I don't want. Mm -hmm. I would love to have a, par a, a holiday party with everybody that I love. Right. I want that so bad. And it makes me unreasonably jealous when I see these dumb people having mm -hmm. their dumb parties that they're all going to get sick after, but they got to have that night. And I'm like, yeah. I wish I didn't care about the people I loved so much. Right. I don't know. Is that what it is? Why like, can't I be selfish too? And right. I don't like that jealous feeling that right. I, I like. I'm irritated and aggravated and annoyed and um, sort of disgusted by that behavior. But I'm also, honestly, jealous of it because I want to see the people that I care about. <laughs> and I, I hate that they get to do it and I don't. I'm it's sort of not a solitary fair. person, so I can do well for a while without other people. However, when, when I... My friends who, as I've mentioned before, I haven't seen in years are living so close by and I can't see them. Yeah. You know, or um, just with the experience of going out and spending a limited amount of time out grocery shopping or whatever, and then coming right back and not having the experience of doing something, it, it really is kind of 
it begins to get to you, even if you're a person yeah. who's used to solitude, because you no longer have an alternative. That's the thing. You yeah. don't have the choice to go, I think tonight I need to go out and have a drink or meet friends, or it would be really nice to have something other to do. Yeah. Instead, it's like, well, there's parameters on you now, and you yeah. can't really break those for yeah. public safety and for your own health. And for, yes. But, yeah, and also because I care about all of the people who are dying, mm -hmm. and I don't want to contribute that. I no, would feel... I can't. I couldn't bear that. Uh, the survivor's guilt in some, something like that is too much. Did and I my, my psyche part? can't yes, handle I did. it. Um, am I angry that people are making decisions like this? Yes, I am. Because it, it's... And the fact that the churches fought it to the Supreme Court. Right. I mean, th that's fundamental. That's... That's the first. Wrong. That's the first wrong. The mm -hmm. Supreme Court chose, you know, ruled badly. They shouldn't have had this question come up in front of them. The churches should have, I don't know, taken this L. I I don't think it's a loss. It's you not, are providing right. shelter for people. You're providing food for people. You're providing solace where you can. You're doing your job. You don't have. It's right. you're not getting tithes on Sunday, it's, and so we like. Here, here, is that the issue? I'll tell you <sighs> what. The thing is, we have a postal system where people can send in their tithes. It's oh, that's fair. That's I don't understand why people um, would feel that that was even an issue. It's like if people want to donate to the poor box, they just put it in an envelope and drop it there mm -hmm. at their parish or their church or mail it to their parish, whatever yeah, they want to do. As we said, a lot of these places right. are open. Yeah. They're just not open for services. Right, they're exactly. open they're open to be of service. They right. are not open so for what they should be thinking about is is doing the good works and things will come back once we Yeah, we have to complete this task, essentially. This is something that you learned in elementary school. Complete the task, put the things away, and then you can go on to the next task. Right now we need to keep people safe in a few months. And it's not even a long wait. It's not going to be a long no. way in the scale of things. No, and realistically, if if by some miracle mm -hmm. um, the vaccine, you know, is rolled out in a in a good way, and in July we can suddenly get right. together again, I'll have a holiday party in July. Right. Like I, I, we can make this up. Like I, yeah. I'll have Thanksgiving in August. You know what I mean? Like I will, I will go to church. These things will still right. be here for us on the other end in a way that won't be murderous. Yeah. So can we all just uh, agree stay to home? work together to keep everyone alive? But don't watch your streaming services because we're getting throttled, and I need to watch Wonder Woman on Christmas Day. <laughs> I'm not going to get to watch I'm cutting that whole thing out. Don't worry okay. about it. I saw the look on your face. I'm just joking. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, shame on you, Supreme Court. Shame on you, churches. And I'm wagging a finger. You can't see it. And, yeah, look up either a church in your area or a church literally anywhere you've ever wanted to visit, mm -hmm. and you can go to a service that is yeah. being... Broadcast, broadcast from there. This is when having television or, or church on television helps. <laughs> okay, this is like what I it was feel like. For. If I wanted to, I could go to a church that's being broadcast out of yeah. the Vatican. Oh yes. Oh yeah. I, I mean, I might. I've always been able to do that. Yeah, but you've always been able to do that. Well, then yeah. see. <laughs> I just like the fact that I can I can go. Your church down the street is not as good as St. Peter's. The so. Vatican Library, <laughs> anytime I want to, it's like, oh my god, 
I can look at all these texts in Latin and not understand what they mean. Oh, <laughs> I've got really some Latin yes, learning guides if you'd it like. It brings up that kind of M.R. James finding secret documents kind of thing that I love. But yeah. Next up, we're looking into a familiar and misunderstood story. Jesus was a storyteller. He taught very complicated ideas through simple, memorable parables. Sometimes, as we learned with the Good Samaritan, the intention of his story gets lost in the retelling and after so many years acquires unintended new meanings. Most people think of the story of the prodigal son as a lost son finding his way home. That's just one part of the parable, and it has plot twists. The story is the last of three stories on a similar subject included in the 15th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. The parable of the lost lamb, the lost coin, and the prodigal son were used to address criticism from the Pharisees. The Pharisees, if you remember, were an influential religious party that mostly agreed with Jesus on matters of theology, for instance they believed uh, in an afterlife, but did not like his liberal interpretation of the scriptures or his disregard for their devotion to cultural tradition, as we just heard. Mm. We are told that Jesus had gathered an undesirable element in his public following. Since he would often bring crowds from the street into the temple, there may have also been concern that these undesirables, tax collectors, uh, sinners, whatever that meant. Prostitutes? Yes. Excuse me. Might, Sex workers? <laughs> might come into the temple. The story starts this way, with a father and two sons, much like the stories of Abraham and Isaac and Ishmael, or Isaac and Jacob and Esau. And Adam and Cain and Abel. Yes. There's a lot of two sons. It never yes. works out That's for both of them. That's a tradition inside of uh, Hebraic teaching. There's a lot of, and one son did this, and one son did that. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there, oh, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. All right, so let's assume that the family in this story, like Jesus, are Jews. Tending a pen of unclean animals, like pigs, was probably the depths that this young man, born into privilege, is tempted to fight pigs for carob pods would be humiliating, but needs must when the devil drives. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let us have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. The young man knows that he had done wrong. Unlike the modern ideas of repentance, the young man has to hit bottom to find his depths before he decides that he has nothing to lose. His father has been waiting for his return. 
Most people think the story ends there, and it could. But that would be too simple a story for Jesus' point. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has, has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you killed the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. By the way, dad, he was not in fact dead. He was just not in front of you. Those are different things. Well, he didn't know that he was alive, I think is the point. I guess. Like, I, you could give up hope and believe that he was dead and then he comes back. So it's like he's come back from the dead. Here's the interesting part about the story. Both sons don't get anything they don't already have. The prodigal son wastes his inheritance but finds love and acceptance. The faithful son loses nothing. He still has everything that was his. I mean, he gets no goat. He's not allowed to even have a goat no, to have a not, party with allowed. his friends. He says, I've never even had a goat. It's like, it's always been yours. Everything I have is yours. You could have had it at any time. You just didn't ask for it. Oh, he did. I didn't realize. See, that's the thing. <laughs> I, when you say you've never given this to me, right. I presume that you've asked for it and not gotten it. No. That is what it sounds like. So that's not it's bad not translation, maybe. Right. I think that what you get from the story is that they both decided to go their own ways, and one is not... How can I put it? What I like about the story is that there's more to it than the son returning home. We often hear that term with you know, prodigal, prodigal son. son yeah. Some people forget that there's a whole other son that we're supposed to pay well, attention to. Well, they also to. think that the word prodigal is a good thing, like it's a good adjective, because it's only ever used in this term. You're right. not using it to describe other things right, or other exactly. situations. It's it, like Good Samaritan. Samaritan is only ever used right. in, in that context. Same thing with prodigal son. So people... I don't think really know what the story is. Because right. prodigal doesn't mean long lost. No. It doesn't mean um, even lost and found. It means done, up, <laughs> done messed up. Right. It means, uh, you know, a wastrel. It's right. not, that is the part that, that it's that the that the word focuses on what the mm -hmm. story focuses on is oh he came back and everybody loved him now I don't know I don't like this story very much because he should have to repent at least a little bit well he does he repents because what he realizes he goes to this place he wastes all of his living he's now fighting pigs for food I understand so he has hit the bottom and realizes that his father's servants are eating better than carob pods. Right. Which but, is interesting to me, carob pods. Like, there are people who want that now. I don't know. Yeah, no, thank <laughs> you. Well, not in the pod form. <laughs> right. They do something to it. But but here's the thing, though. Mm -hmm. he, he repents within himself. But mm -hmm. he doesn't do any. He doesn't. Yeah, he does. He isn't held to Here's, account. Well, we don't know that he isn't. We don't. Okay. Except automatically, instead of being treated like a servant and put to work to mm -hmm. earn a, a place, it's robes and rings See, and fatted calves. What his oh, father God. does, um, what he says to himself uh, is he makes a resolution, I will go back 
to my mm. father and say to my father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. Right. So he goes up to do that, and his father preempts, preempts that. Preempts it. And but, just says... But here's my thing. My right, thing. So this is a thing. man who knows his father. Mm-hmm. And knows the love of his father, because when he told his father, give me what's mine, his dad was like, all right, here See, you go. I think that... Did he know walking up that path, if he sees me looking sad and pathetic... He's going to give me everything I, I want. I what happens is you're infected with a little of the cynicism, cynicism about people's <laughs> you're motivations. You're not wrong. Because a I C think... segment one. <laughs> right. Is that <laughs> what the parable is supposed to represent is not that he's dishonest in his intentions to get something back from his father. And Jesus told more complicated stories. Well, that would be a terrible parable if it was. <laughs> and Jesus did tell stories where people's motivations were askew and then they got caught for it. But here you see a person who's, you know, again, hit bottom, who's spent everything that he was supposed to inherit and wasted it all away. What he was going to have, uh, that was his right after being born, yeah, to be in this place. And his father, instead of demanding, and I think when you look at what the story, who the story was told to, it was told to the Pharisees, oh, that's true. who were saying, I am righteous, I am holy, I've spent my entire life in this temple worshiping. And here you are bringing in tax collectors and Roman collaborators and prostitutes, okay, sex workers. And, you know, you're bringing in people who have are coming into the temple, into this holy place, and defiling it because they're sinners. And Jesus' point is, what do you, don't you think that God loves them too? That's the thing. Yeah, if they don't come in here, it's like being right. fat shamed at a gym. Yeah. Well, what am I, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. This is this is why people come here. So why am I being shamed for being here when I'm not up to this? I'm trying to get up to the standards right. that you want me to be. The only way to do that is to be in the temple, but you're not going to let me in the right, temple. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I can't offer sacrifices. I can't repent for my sins. And this is why Jesus suddenly, as we read before, started the idea of making repentance even private. You don't need to right. go to offer animals for your sins. You don't need to make these public sh- uh, shows of, um, of repentance. Mm-hmm. And which was something that was very pharisaical to stand Ooh, in what a public. Word. <laughs> yes. Stand um, in public and make these public repentances. Also, I'm a little mad at older brother. Mm-hmm. Like, you watched younger brother go, Give me what's mine. And right. your dad did it automatically. And then you just presumed that that wouldn't happen, or you were afraid to ask, or. What? Well, that's kind of what he was uh, comparing to the Pharisees themselves. Okay, you've been home, you've behaved, you've done everything, so all that God had for you is not taken away because this other person's come back. Yeah. You're not suffering a loss because I'm bringing sinners into the temple. Hey, you know who else could learn from this story? Who else? People who don't believe in a social safety net. Yes, exactly. You're (laughs) not taken away from you. You're not losing, you're gaining things. Mm -hmm. You don't have to take advantage of those things, but you are gaining things so that. The poorest among us aren't dying in the streets. Right. I don't under. What is your problem? <laughs> well, this even goes to our earlier segment as well. Yes. Nothing is being taken away from you. You're putting this on hold to help other people. Yeah. So what the story really is meant to do is not describing the prodigal, a person who wanders, he's long lost. He goes out, he wastes what he has, and then decides when he's hit bottom to come back. So Jesus was relating this to these people who he's bringing back into the, the mm. temple. Mm. It's like, they, they, God, we should all be rejoicing that you have a woman who is selling herself now coming back and wanting to make amends right. and to change your life. And instead, you're angry 
because this person gets to come into the temple, and I'm in the temple too, and I'm a righteous person. And this story always meant a lot to me because I would see so much of that kind of, uh, that feeling inside the church. There were people who were just sort of sniffed at others who came back after being a long time outside of the church. Yeah. It'd be like looking down on AA members that fell off the wagon and try and come back. Like, well, then what are you here for then? Right. You're doing it wrong. They're doing doing it wrong. Yeah, I, I... always loved the fact that there's a whole other segment where it's like, here, self-righteous person who's lived your whole life and been sort of a goody-two-shoes. It's not being disparaging, but you've minded your P's and Q's all the way. Don't get angry that somebody is had to suffer and come back because the prodigal son does suffer. He suffers probably the worst kind of fate that you can have in his cultural estimation. Yeah, He's un- literally unclean. He's touched these animals. He's feeding them. He's become unclean. And so when he comes back to his father, it's, he really does, in, in Jesus telling the story, mean it. It's like, I'm, I'm not worthy for you to touch anymore. I've shamed our family name, all those things that mattered to him mm-hmm. that he didn't take seriously when he went away in the first place suddenly become important to him. Right. And but once again, I have a cynic side reading the story, so that's on me. Again, remember, the parables were being told to a specific I live in December of, of 2020, right. so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but if you see it in the context, I'm telling this to people who are so self-righteous, they don't want other people to repent because they're jealous of that other person's repentance. You know, to the family of that sex worker, seeing he or her, maybe, come back into the temple, they're overjoyed at saying, look, they're back, they're a part of this again, they're a part of our culture. Because remember, the, the Jewish culture was slowly being kind of absorbed into Roman culture in a lot of ways, through the occupation at the time. And so seeing somebody come back into the temple meant a lot on a level that we don't understand, because it also meant we're part of this bigger family again. That brings us to the end of this week's episode. If you like it, please subscribe and leave us a review. And share it with a friend. We have an internet home, withoutworkspodcast.com. Our show notes, links to stories we talk about, and transcripts for our episodes can be found there. We're also reachable at withoutworkspodcast at withoutworkspod at gmail.com, on Twitter at withoutworkspod, and on Facebook by searching withoutworks in the, in the search bar. All of those links are also on the website, so go over there and have a look around. I've been Amity. And he's been Lemuel, and we urge you to stay inside and do something good. Hey!